real quick, two things. We uh, we went on a family, little mini family vacation down to um, Fort Myers. And uh, uh, when was it? Friday night, we spent the night down there. And then we were uh, coming back on Saturday. And actually, we were going to the beach on Saturday and coming back. And Jen uh, couldn't find her phone in the morning. And so... Not cool, especially these days, you know. The phone, the back in the day, the phone was like, eh, stinks. Now we got so much information on them. So couldn't find it anywhere. And we're looking all over the place. Of course, we're like, I'm unpacking the car, going through bags, this, that, and the other. And uh, calling it, nothing. And there it was on the dashboard the whole time. Uh, on the dashboard. So I'm like, uh, so I'm kind of busting on Jen. I'm like, oh, wow, on the dashboard there, right? And then, so I said to the boys, as we get to Fort Myers Beach, I said to the boys, I said they're in the back of the van, I said, hey, um, grab my wallet out of my briefcase that has my MacBook Pro in it. It has, uh, which the school bought for me. It's, to put it in perspective, it's like a $2,600 computer. And uh, the school bought it for me. And then it had some books in there that I'm reading. And, uh, of course, my wallet with everything in it. And the boys say, your briefcase is not back here, Dad. I was like, what? No, it's not back here. I'm like, oh, man. Well, I remembered at that instant in room 618, before I left, I wanted to use the restroom, and so I put said briefcase down, and uh, it was there in the room. So we called, and they were like, uh, yes, we'll send somebody. They didn't call for like two hours, and I'm like, dude, like go up there and check, please. And so we got it back, though. All good. There I go busting on Jen for losing her phone for five minutes, and I used that. So, <sighs> anyways, all right, so good stuff. And good part is, it had my entire sermon on it, and uh, so I asked my brother-in-law, he said, hey, just go into there, there's a Pages document open, just email it to me. Well, it won't connect to the internet. I'm like, Ugh. okay, so I was like, just text me a screenshot then of the sermon, and then so I got to retype that all last night via my phone. <laughs> so, yeah, it was... After driving from Fort Myers, I'm like, ah, this is what I want to do. Um, so, good stuff. Uh, but, anyways, uh, we want to talk about this historical perspective of, um, of Pentecost and what Pentecost is. Pentecost, we might look at it as, you know, Acts 2. We might only look there. We might say, yes, look at those, look at the signs, look at the wonders, and we never go back to the Old Testament. And, and so, what we want to look at uh, today in a brief amount of time, because I have about 15 minutes to cover a lot of stuff, um, we want to look at these three major festivals, all right, um, that God commanded. And so we're going to just take a look at one of them. We're going to mention three of them, all right? Passover, which is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Uh, Shavuot, which is uh, Pentecost, or formerly, well, originally known as the Feast of Weeks, because it took place seven weeks after or 50 days after Pente- uh, Passover. And then Shukoth, I think I said that right, uh, the Festival of Booths. So we're going to talk about this thing. This is a historic event that's happening here and going on in Acts 2, okay? So Pentecost was nothing new 
on the streets. Uh, they knew about it for a long time. Um, and basically, these pilgrimage festivals brought and entrenched um, people in a community event that brought them together that uh, entrenched in them the sanctity of Jerusalem, that that's where they met, and these festivals were a community-building experience. Guess who else liked these community-building experiences? No, the merchants, man. All right, think about it. <laughs> this is like the Super Bowl coming to uh, Lakeland. Um, this is good stuff. They really did. They really liked these uh, festivals because it really uh, boosted their profits for the year. All right? This was the Black Friday of back in the day. So Pentecost, the Festival of Weeks, uh, is going to take place. And, and so what we want to look back is about 1,200 years prior to Acts 2. All right? And so we look quickly, and I'm going to read this because I think it's important, a quick read through where uh, the Israelites leave Egypt and they go to Mount Sinai. That would have been, if we looked at it quickly, we would have thought three months, 90 days. Uh, But in fact, it was uh, 50 days. They left Egypt on the 15th day, um, and they would arrive in 45 days. And the third, what happens here is um, the 50th day, God comes down the mountain, all right? And so the deal is this, and we're going to look a little bit later on the 50th day uh, after Passover is God's going to come down, and they're going to do this, and he's going to require this feast um, or festival. And here's what the deal is. This is a covenant between God and his people. And so what Moses was assigned to do was come down the mountain and say, hey, do you guys agree to this? And they said yes. And then he goes back up the mountain and he says, all right, on the 50th day, he's coming down. And he came down. And the similarities are there, there was thunder. There was this uh, shaking of the mountain. Uh, the people were very intimidated. Uh, and basically they said this to him. Please, let's not, that, let's not experience that again. Please have God talk to you. And then what we'll do is we'll listen to you and we'll obey. But please, can we not experience that again? All right? I mean, that's the summary. And so they're terrified, basically. And, you know, you can read about this, Exodus 20. Uh, you can read about this. And so I want to go over to today two Old Testament realities that we can live in. And that we should not be living in. Uh, The first Old Testament reality comes from this passage um, that we were just talking about. Where God comes down and he terrifies the people. That God is big. God is good. He is scary. God, uh, please, or someone else, please do the work for me. And when you do that work, I'll listen to you. But I just don't want to experience anything like that anymore. And so what we do, these, maybe these days, maybe you're guilty of it, I know that I am, is this, that, that we can't live in that reality. We can't live in the reality. See, because here's what happened. God came down and, and did this, and then that establishes the kind of relationship that God has with Israel then. That it wasn't until the word became flesh that there was this relationship that we could enter in because they stood off from God and relied on other people. 
And so that is a reality that we shouldn't live in, that we have access to the King of Kings. Um, And so it says this, we could say that we could do that. We could rely on other people, but then we would have to take 1 Peter 2, 9, and 10, and we'd have to throw it in the garbage. Because it says, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy people. God's instruments to do this work and speak out for him to tell others of the night and day difference he made in you. From nothing to something. From rejected to accepted. And I think that I've used that scripture before and I'm going to use it again and again. Because I think that what we need is a constant reminder of who we are in Christ. And when we talk about this, uh, when we talk about Pentecost, you know, some people we get caught, we can get caught up in the acts of what went on at Pentecost, okay? The shaking, the tongues of fire, we can get, and that, that's good stuff, all right? But what I want to talk about and concentrate on today is, okay, what did it look like for them? Because it wasn't a thing, the Spirit was something that they knew about. The Holy Spirit just didn't come on that day, all right? So what I want to take is... Um, How do we look at it today differently from the Old Testament? And so when we talk about this this Pentecost, you guys get that, right? It's a a festival, right? This had been going on for a thousand years, this deal. And so what I want to do real quick is just let's look at 1,200 years ahead in Acts 2. Let's look at some similarities of this of what happens on that day. Both events happened to a newly redeemed people. The Exodus marked the birth of a nation called Israel. All right? They were born, Mount Sinai, God comes down, makes a covenant with them. All right? God comes down in Acts 2 to a newly redeemed people called the church. All right? Both events involve God's people receiving a gift. First one was the Torah. The second one was the Spirit. And we'll talk about how the Spirit, when we talk about receiving the Spirit, how that differed. Um, Fifty days after sacrificing the Passover lamb, the Israelites received a covenant from God. Fifty days after Jesus was sacrificed, our Passover lamb, a new covenant was received from God. Both events had similar sounds and symbols, fire, smoke, and the voice of God. All right? And then the fire at Sinai was one visible by all. The fire at Pentecost was individual fires on every person. So each of those had fires involved. Then... In both events, God gave his law to his people. In the first event, we saw it on stone tablets, carved onto stone tablets. On the second, it was carved into the hearts, which is spoken of in Jeremiah 31, 33, and 34. That it is going to be written, not on tablets, but engraved into the hearts of those believers. It's talking about the new covenant. And so when we talk about this, New covenant that, that God was going to come down. And so how did it differ? Well, it differed in this. In the Old Testament, the Spirit would come with 
um, giftings, and he'd come, and, and then he would go. And so what was the difference going to be? Well, it says this here uh, in John 14, 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot accept because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he resides with you and will be in you. And so those tenses there are very important because when it says it will be in you, here's what the reality of the situation is. When we have, when we come to Christ and we say, yes, God, we accept you, Jesus Christ, as our Savior, that, that in fact the infilling of the Holy Spirit occurs then. There is not a process that says, okay, now I need to do A, B, and C to be filled by the Holy Spirit. All right? I believe that we have, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we have distorted in ways what it means to be filled by the Spirit. Here's what I think. That one of the blinders that we have in our lives is that we think that we need to do certain things to be filled with the Spirit. And if we haven't done those things, then we are not filled with the Spirit, which limits us in our own minds by what God can do through us. If you have, in fact, said yes to Jesus, you are filled with the Spirit. So this is the second Old Testament reality that I think we can live in today that I think is bogus, is this. We wait around for God to show up who is already here in us. Ray said a prayer this morning that I thought was really cool. God is a God that, that still responds to our invitation. We're inviting God f- to freely move. And I wonder, you know, is it just in this environment that we can do that? Or can we wake up every morning and say, God, we invite you to move. I know that you're living in me. Greater is he that is in me than that is in the world, all right? And so when we talk about this, the Old Testament, they gave, he gave Joseph the ability to explain dreams. Uh, Bezalel, the ability to build the temple. Gideon, the ability to uh, fight off the, the Midianite oppression. Balaam, who came to speak curses, he gave him the ability only to speak blessings, And so with us is this, that God is, in fact, living in us. And to me, this is something that we can get excited about because, man, this goes back, all right? So when Pentecost happened, there was this gathering there. And so the reality of God being there was very, very, very much present. That because of the Passover and then 50 days later, here's what happens. You know, Jesus dies on the Friday of Passover and he's raised again on the third day in Jewish culture, which would have been Friday, first day, Saturday, second day, third day, that he's born again. Defeating darkness once and for all. And so what do we do? Oftentimes we walk around in the, real, in the false reality that God, we're still waiting on God to come and move in us. Well, the reality is this. If you're having a rough time, if you are not good enough, great. Okay? Take a look around. No one in here is. All right? So God is going to use you right where you're at, that he's going to empower you right where you're at. The matter of fact is, is that you've got to know that you've got to know that God is in you, that the Holy Spirit is in you. 
And so when we talk about the Spirit of God and the significance of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, it wasn't just to get revved up about the building's going to be shaken. It's the reality that the creator of all things lives within us. That is the only reason that we're greater. Greater is he that is in me that is in the world. That's the only reason that we're more than conquerors through Christ is because of the reality that God came down. He came down and he was faithful to his people of Israel. I mean, read through Judges. They serve God for 20 years. Then they turn their backs on him. He served for eight years. Then they turn their backs on him. I mean, how, when we talk about the story of the Israelites, we're talking about, a, we, we could say, wow, they're so dumb. But, but then we'd have to kind of look in the mirror and say, well, I'm the same way. I served God for two weeks. They did something stupid. They did something stupid. You're going to do stuff that's stupid. But the reality is, is who am I relying on, myself or Christ who lives in me? And so we are empowered to do great things. Um, and I wasn't going to do this, but I want to do this now, is this. Um, is that okay? Did you guys get that? Is that good stuff? I thought it was all right. All right. Scale. I mean, yeah. It's hard preaching in a white church. All right. Um, <laughs> It just is, man. Like, I feel like you go to church with some culture. They're like, yeah. You're like, all right. Um, so here's the deal. <laughs> Dude, um, the deal is this. Uh, is, does anybody in here have a headache? I'm serious. Like, I'm just besides me. You got one? You have been? I don't get headaches much, but I had a banging one this morning. Still kind of mild right now. You got one? All right, just stay there. Here we go. Uh, Spirit of God, would you come in this place? God, I pray that you would uh, touch uh, Olivia's headache right now, Dawn's headache right now, uh, that you would just move uh, right now in your power, God, that you would just come and have your way, that you would bring total healing and relief in Jesus' name. Anything different? Hmm? No. All right. God, I just pray that you would just come in this place, that you would have your way. God, I pray that you would just, uh, right now, God, that you would come and uh, relieve the headache of both Olivia and Dawn. In Jesus' name, amen. Anything different? Huh? Whole body feels numb. Is that different? Did it feel numb before? Oh, okay. All right. We'll just keep praying for that. I want to read one more thing, and then um, then I'm going to tag team it to Pastor Dave. I wrote this. I know this is wrong, what I'm about to say. But I wrote this while I was giving a test. Kids were doing fine. Um, and so I wrote this, and they were taking a computer-based test, so it really wasn't worried about cheating or anything. So it goes like this. Reality kicks in as my life, once a fatality, driven off the road recklessly and irresponsibly. 
I couldn't get out because I was buried so heavily by the things that entangled me. So used to it, I often sat comfortably, not realizing my reality had become life lived pathetically instead of abundantly. Away from the life I knew that I was promised to me, of purpose, plans, and destiny. I slung it like drugs. Come live this way. Come have some fun all the while. With my slinging, the hammer was being slung. To hit the nail on the head, headed to flesh that was broken for me. Pierced, broken, pierced, tree. For selfishness, pride, and greed. Pierced, broken, pierced, tree. For self-indulgence, lust, and idolatry. Pierced, broken, pierced tree, pierced, broken, pierced tree, that I could stand up in my weakened state and state that I am free. But it didn't end there in the heart of despair. No, you were carried away unlike I was carried away. You served me as I served myself. In the grave you laid dead, not defeated, as I partied in my grave of depletion. You rose from the grave giving me life. I came out of the grave as reality kicked in. My own life, once a fatality, dead on arrival, has been resurrected by Jesus Christ. It's even better when he wraps it. It really is. Uh, he tested it out on me. I liked it. I have never written anything like that. Probably, probably never will, because I just don't have that particular gifting. Yeah, there's still time, that's right. The title... Break Every Chain. Thank you, Rick, and, and the worship team for singing that. I want to show you, though, where that came from. So if we got that queued up, ready to go, and dim the lights, and I want you to see where that came from. We need some volume. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. There's an army rising, rising up to break every chain, break every chain. Hey! 
I tell you, I didn't see it live. I saw it the next day. And it did something in me. And I'm saying, if that young man can sing on that secular show, break every chain, I tell you what happened. I said, God, I believe you can break every chain. I believe you can break every chain. The chains in me and the chains in the world that I live in. You can really do that. And I knew Pentecost was coming up, and I said, oh, man, Andy, can we do this? Can we team together and do this thing to see chains broken? And I tell you what, I came believing that chains are going to be broken this morning, broken in my life, broken in your life. And it's not about us. It's about the broken world that we live in. And and how many of you know the world that we live in is broken? And how many of you know this? The chains need to be broken in this world. And you know what? That army that he's raising up, and, and Rick said, look around, you're it. And the kids that we just released over to Children's Church, they're it. They're the army that God's raising up to break every stinking chain. And so I'm going to read some passages. Believe it or not, this is Bible here, okay? And don't, I, you don't have to look. I just want you to listen. Because I, here's something else I believe. The Word has power. And so I want you to hear the Word here. It says this, And Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And reports about Him spread quickly through the whole region. Now, Here's what I know, and you may not know this, but I know it. It doesn't really say filled with the Holy Spirit's power. That's the NLT, and it's by implication. What it really says is, then Jesus returned to Galilee in the Holy Spirit's power. And how many of you know the word there, power, is dunamis? And that's the same thing that he's going to say in Acts 1.8. And you will receive power from God. And so Jesus has been baptized, and he's been led by the Spirit onto the wilderness. And after that experience, he says he comes back to Galilee full of the Holy Spirit's power. And then we read in, in Luke 18 to 24, 18 to 21, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. There he is. He's in the synagogue, and he takes out the roll of I, uh, the scroll of Isaiah, and he opens it up, and here's what he reads. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And I want to stop there for one second and say this. The word anointed there is krino. It's not the same as karas, grace giftedness. And, and here's a reality that we have to understand. There are people that have charisma. There are people that operate in the Spirit that are not anointed. They are not anointed. We throw that word out there like it's just common ground. It's not. The anointing of God is His coming on us. And releasing those things like he did, like he talked about Bezalel and that, for, for, to demonstrate the things he wants 
to do. And so Jesus comes back and He is anointed by God. He's smeared with the Spirit of the living God. And so sometimes, uh, I'm reading a book by R.T. Kindle. He's one of my favorite guys lately. He's written a book called Pigeon Religion. And here's what he says, that much of what takes place in a church is nothing but pigeon religion. It has the appearance of the real, but it's not. It's not. And so what we want is the real. We came here this morning to experience the real, didn't we? You didn't come here just to hear some wonderful songs and to hear Andy and I share. You came to experience the living God. Is that not what you showed up for here this morning? And I want to tell you something. Then you need to ask him, God, I need a touch from you. I need a touch. There's not a person in this room that doesn't need a fresh touch from God, including me. Okay? And then it says, and, and here's what happens when you have the anointing of God on you. You're going to preach the good news to the poor. He says, he has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released. Know any captives? He says they're going to be released. The blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now he rolls up that scroll. He sits back down. And everybody's focused on him. And here's what he says. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled today. Now what's that mean? That means that those very things that he just said is going to happen are going to happen. Otherwise what? The anointing of God's not on him. Because if in fact the anointing's there, then those things are going to happen. Okay, and so here's his cousin. He's in jail. He's got questions. In Luke 7, 18 to 23, the disciples of John told John about everything Jesus was doing. So John called to his two disciples and sent them to ask the Lord, are you the Messiah, the one we've been expecting? Again, the, the, the New Living Translation puts that in there by implication. It's not there. What's really there, it says, are you the one we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? And John's disciples find Jesus, and they repeat exactly what John says. And, and Je- at this very time, it says, Jesus cured many peoples of their diseases, illnesses, evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind. And then he told John's disciples, Go back and tell John. Tell him that you, what you have seen and what you've heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And then he ends it up with this. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away from me. You know, God's good, but he's also incredibly mysterious. And so we want to follow him and all that he's doing. Well, he may ask you to do some things that's right outside of your comfort zone. Reading a book called We Are In. How many of you know that's the sign that they put over the Christians in the, where ISIS is attacking? 
And those people, some of them, they know to face ISIS is to face death. And here's what some of them say. They say, if we leave, who will be here as a testimony to the reality of Christ? Knowing they're going to be beheaded or tortured. And sometimes they send their family away because it's not safe to have a daughter there because they're going to rape them over and over and over. But they don't leave, some of them. It's an amazing reality. It's not just happened there. It's happened in, in North Africa. It's happened in Egypt. It's happened in pa- Pakistan and all over where Muslims are attacking Christians and they're attacking them only because they are Christians. God blesses those who do not turn away from me. And then this amazing verse, two verses in John 14. I mean, amazing. I tell you the truth, Jesus says. Anyone who believes in me will what? Do the works I have done and even greater works. Because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask anything in my name and I will do it. And he asked something in the name of the Father, did he not? Olivia, you see, well, we move on. Olivia, how's that headache? You don't have it. Is that what you just said? What do you think about that, church? Oh, that's this old hat. I mean, come on, we ask God, take the headache away. You know, that is one of the most, I know, that's one of the most daring things we do, isn't it? Oh, please don't come up with a cold or a headache. Give us something more difficult, God, because you normally don't respond to those things. Uh, isn't it, that's our experience sometimes. And so, we, oh, if Ray's up here doing ministry, go to Ray with the cough or the cold or the headache, you know. How about you, Donnie? Better. What's better? On a scale of one to five, what was the improvement? Five being good. (laughs) Okay. We went off the scale. (laughs) That's the way God is. He breaks the scale. Well, good. All right. And so we we get to do this. What's one of the phrases that we use in Vineyard? Everybody plays. Who gets to play? Everybody. What do we get to do? We get to do the stuff. The stuff that Jesus did. That's what we get to do. Is that what, is that what you've been called to do? Ask. Is that what you've been called to do, the stuff? Yeah. How many of you say yes? Let's see these brave hands. I've been called to do this stuff. Well, guess what? Tomorrow, you're going to be confronted with something, and you're going to have to do this stuff. 
Somebody needs that stuff out there. Not just you. He doesn't empower us just for ourselves. He does it for the brokenness of the world that we live in so that we can make a difference. And did you ever notice Jesus? Jesus is just kind of living life. You know, he's going along and he's going to the next place. He's going to pray over Jairus' daughter. And he's on his way. And you know what? Somebody has the audacity to break in there to touch Jesus because they get this idea. I've had this issue of blood for 12 years. I spent all my money. I'm going to touch Jesus because I believe if I touch Jesus, I'm going to be healed. And so she pushes through the crowd. (coughs) And what's she do? She touches Jesus, and what happens? She's healed. And Jesus goes like this. Somebody touched me. His disciples, are you nuts? That's a loose paraphrase. Are are you crazy, Jesus? I mean, look at this crowd around. He says, somebody touched me. I know. So the woman's all timid, scared, but she knows what's happening. She says, it's me. I, I, I was the one. And what's he say to her? What do you think you're doing touching me? No. What's he say? Your faith has healed you. Okay, and so guess what happens then? Along comes the people from Jairus' house, and what do they say? Hey, she's dead. Don't bother. Oh, she's just sleeping. <coughs> now, they knew sleeping meant she was dead. Okay? He said, just have confidence. So he shows up there. See, he's just on the way. He shows up there because he was on a mission. He was a, you know what he knew was going to happen when he showed up at Jairus' house? That girl was going to be healed. It didn't matter if she was still sick or she was dead. God sent him on a mission. He had an assignment. You and I have assignments to live out this life and in the midst of the life to touch people's lives. That's what it's talking about here. And so, okay, Jesus dies on the cross and then he's resurrected and we sang about that same power that lives in us. It's that same power. How many believe you have that same power? Oh, come on. How many believe you got that same power? Every hand should be up. You know, if you have a relationship with Jesus, every hand should be up. I don't care if you walked in that power or not. That's beside the point. The reality is, if you've got Jesus, you've got the power. You do. And so Jesus says to his, you know, as his apostles are asking him, because they're saying, Lord, you know, is it at this time that you're going to restore, uh, free Israel and restore the kingdom? And, and, and here's what he says. Though a father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, they're not for you to know. How many of you read that several times? Yeah. What does that mean? That means something's going to happen there, you know, with Israel. Something's going to happen there. Because <coughs> he says, he doesn't say, he doesn't dismiss it and just say, well, you know, hey, that's old hat. No, he says, the Father alone has authority to set dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Here's what you need to know. 
But when you receive power, it's that same word. Jesus comes back to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, when you receive power, that dunamis, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be what? You will be my witnesses. And what are you going to do, witness? What are you going to do? You're going to do the things Jesus did. Is that not what he said? That's what it means to be a witness of Jesus. It doesn't just mean you get to talk. That's part of it. That's proclamation. You know what comes with proclamation? Demonstration. Proclamation and demonstration, they go together. And and, and so you're going to demonstrate as God works through us. Now, how many of you, you think that uh, you could conjure up a miracle any second now. <coughs> I hope you don't think that. No, you can't do that. Only God can do that. Okay? And so there they were. They, they get this, and they're hanging out there in, in, in Jerusalem. And then you know the one that we, we read on Pentecost, you know. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. That's an amazing thing and alone, that they're all meeting there together. They probably weren't even fussing at this point. That was going to come later. So they're meeting there, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled. It's, I, I find this interesting. They, it filled the house where they were sitting. It filled the house. The word there, plerao, means it took control of the house. The Spirit moved in, and it took control control. And then it says, um, took care of the house, and then what looked like flames of fire or tongues, because they really hadn't seen those things before like that. It looked like it, you know. Tongues of fire appeared and settled on them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. And you know what? That word isn't the same word. It's a completely different word. And it do, it does, it's not plerao at all. That word uh, there, let me find it. I've got it here. Hope I can find it quicker than Rick did. Oh, pimplemi. Pimplemi is the word that's used there. But it's another word for fill. Isn't it interesting that Luke would use two different words there? And so they're, 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 but they're still filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened when they were filled with the Holy Spirit? What happened? They started speaking in tongues. Oh, no, you can't, Dave, you cannot be saying that. I didn't say it, it said it. And, and it but it's an unusual kind of tongues. Because what happens is, like Andy said earlier, all those people are gathered from all over the place. All over what? The Middle East. The Middle East. Northern Africa. Egypt. I am so sick and tired of this lie being propagated. And here's the lie. That Christianity came from the West. It never came from the West. Where did it come from? Where did it come from? Where did it come specifically from? Jerusalem. 
On the day of Pentecost, there they were in Jerusalem and God pours out His Spirit on them and they began to speak in other languages and in those other languages what they were speaking is the wonders of God. And where were those people going to go? Back to where they lived because they were just there for the festival, many of them. And so they were going to take the good news back. These are the things God did. Hey, you went to celebrate Pentecost. What happened? It was amazing. There we were, and we started hearing all these people speaking in our dialect, speaking in our tongues, and they were telling about the wonders of God. And then this man, I, I don't know who he was. I think he was a fisherman. He got up, and he starts preaching. And he quotes Joel and, and all this stuff. And then, you know what? We were pricked to our hearts. And you know what we did? We said this. What must we do to be saved? What must? Do you think they showed up to Pentecost to get saved? <coughs> do you? Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you, let, let you on a little secret. You showed up here this morning. And God has some tension, intention to do something that you weren't expecting. That you weren't expecting. You go, oh, no, Dave. Don't do that to us. Don't, don't look at me. I really believe that God's got something in mind this morning for all of us. I don't know what it is. Maybe it was a headache like Olivia had. Donnie had, you know. On a scale of 1 to 5, how is it, Don? 10. Oh, okay. I'll go with 10. And so they speak the wonders of God. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think that's, it just, Pentecost came and went and that was it? No, it wasn't. Listen to this. Paul, who, who's written the most um, systematic theological discourse in the book of Romans. This is what he says in chapter 15, verse 19. He says, and they were convinced by the power, the dunamis, of the miraculous signs and wonders by the power, the dunamis, of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. Who was convinced? Who was convinced? No, Paul, Paul was already convinced. The people. What people? Who was Paul, who did he minister primarily to? The Gentiles. The Gentiles heard the Word of God. They saw the power. They saw the miracles. People want to go... Oh, you, you people, that's all you want to do is chase the miracles, the signs and wonders. I want to tell you something. It's a package deal. The kingdom of God isn't just word, and it isn't just works. It's the whole deal. And you know what? The most, you know, the most dangerous place you can walk in because it's so challenging and it's so risky is that radical middle. That's what we call ourselves at the vineyard. We're, we're in search of the radical middle, that place where the Word and the Spirit come together. You know who you find there? Jesus. That's who you find in the radical middle is Jesus. And Paul says this, they were convinced by the power 
of those miraculous signs and wonders and the power of God's Spirit. And listen to what it says in Hebrews 2.4. And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever He chose. Whenever He chose. Do you think that He might choose to do something today? Do you? Oh, you can say, well, I don't know, Dave. Let me end up with this. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. You know it. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled. Play ra'o. Play ra'o. What does play ra'o mean? What did I tell you it meant? It means to take control. Be filled. And, and you know it. John knows it. But some, and, and, and Hal may. I mean Hal. And Ray may know it. That word there is in the present passive imperative. Okay? Present means what, John? Right? Well, yes. What else does it mean, Ray? Ongoing. Ongoing activity. It's not just passing by. It's going on. And, and, and the passive means what? That's right. You're not doing it. It's happening to you. Okay? And the imperative what? It's a command. Paul isn't saying, hey, instead be filled with the Spirit. You go, I don't want to be filled with the Spirit. No, he's saying, No. You need to be filled with the Spirit, and you need to be filled with the Spirit over and over and over and over and over. You know why? Oh, because we leak, I know. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Now, why do we need to be filled over and over? Because you know Jesus, what did He do? He went alone to be with the Father. And I, I learned this this week, and this is, this is amazing, and it's a little side trail, but it's a good one. It says this, that Jesus filled, fulfilled all righteousness. I want to ask you a question. Why did Jesus fulfill all righteousness? What? That's pretty close. He was without sin. So why did he have to fulfill all righteousness? He fulfilled all righteousness for us. That's why He fulfilled all righteousness. It couldn't be fulfilled any other way. It had to be done by Jesus. You you see? And that's what He did. He fulfilled all righteousness for you and for me so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I know, that's exciting, isn't it? Okay, so be being filled with the Holy Spirit, singing... Oh, I didn't finish my thought there, too. And I ask you why. Why do we need to be being filled? Okay, you said I leak. Okay, yeah. Because we're finite. It was Jesus that had all the Spirit, the fullness of the Godhead, you know what we would probably happen to us if we got all the fullness of the Spirit? We'd explode. We would explode. We're clay vessels. 
And he knows that we're weak. And so we need to keep being filled with the Spirit so that we can walk like walk it out like God did. And then here's what happens. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourself, making music to the Lord in your hearts. You've been making music to the Lord in your hearts? I hope so. Now, this is probably the most, that's, that was the easy part. This is probably the most challenging part for me. And I shared it <coughs> this morning. <clears throat> I want to do an experiment. But I'm going to ask for two volunteers. And don't volunteer yet. Here's, here's what I'm going to do. Because some of you are here and you're like, what, what is this filling of the Spirit? What might that look like? Oh, I'm going to tell you, it could look like almost anything you can think of. It can. And you, and you know what people pick up on? They pick up on the stuff like you hear chickens clucking or, 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 or roaring, lions roaring, those kind of things. Like, oh, man. I don't know. So I, I want two volunteers. Here's the first volunteer that I want is you want a fresh filling of the Spirit. No, no. I, relax, Barbara. And so that's the first volunteer. If that's you, I want you to stand up right where you're at. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just want you to stand up. Raise your hand so I know who you are. All right, Michelle, brave. Okay, that's the first one. The second one, and this was the most challenging, you see, because it happened Friday. I was sitting in my office and kind of cruising along thinking about Sunday, and I felt like the Spirit of God said to me, I want you to do an experiment. And here's my response. Whoa, God. Is this you talking to me, or is this my brain on overload? Okay? So I tested it out on Connie. <laughs> right? I said, Connie, you mind if I run a little experiment? She said, yeah, it's fine. And so we did the experiment. Did it work? Yeah. God's good. Okay? So Michelle's back there. The second one, if you've got some kind of struggle that you're dealing with. I don't care if it's physical, emotional, mental, financial, whatever that struggle is, I, I need somebody like that. So just raise your hand if that's you. James, stand up. Now, that's a pretty challenging one there because I, I, I think I know what the struggle is there, James. I know. Thank you. In case I've forgotten. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes. That's all. I don't want you to say anything. I just want you to stand there. And I want to say, Lord, come and touch Michelle with a fresh touch from you. Michelle, just hold your hands out to the side. Yeah. Just come and minister your grace. She wants a fresh touch of your grace. Pour that grace out on her. 
just come and saturate her with your presence. Saturate her with your presence. More. Yeah, more. Just saturate her with your presence. Okay, and you just keep soaking away there, Michelle, okay? James, keep your eyes closed. Just put your hands out to your side. You know exactly what's going on with James. We know the, where he is physically, and, and he needs a touch from you. And if that's what you have in mind, that's what I want you to release in him. If there are other things that he's struggling with, God, questions, doubt, fear that he may be dealing with, then I, I pray just touch him right now. Even as I'm praying, Holy Spirit, just come and minister your grace. Minister your grace. Okay, I'm going to go back over here to Michelle. I'm going to ask, Michelle, what, what's going on with you? Anything? If nothing, just say nothing. No, I mean, what's going on with you right now? Yeah, right now. No, right now. What's going on with you right this second? Yeah. You feel the warmth and the love of Jesus. Would you like a little more of that? Yeah, you would, huh? How many of you would like to have her have more of the warmth and love of Jesus? If you, would, if you do, just say, God, give her more. Go ahead, just say it out loud. God, give her more. Give her more, God. Yeah, give her more. Let her soak it up, God. Okay, what's happening now? Something's just happening all over you, right? Okay, is that good? We'll just say more of what do you want to do, God. Here's your daughter. She wants more. Just touch her. How about you, James? Anything going on with you back there? Be honest. You're relaxed. Would you like to be more relaxed? You would? Okay, then God, he wants to be more relaxed. How many would like him to be more relaxed? And just say, be more relaxed, James, in the name of Jesus. Relax. Relax. Now, the reason that I didn't go back any place is because I wanted you to know I can't do this. Okay? Now, here's going to be the challenge for most of you. Oh, you got something to say? Go ahead. All right. I just want to put this out there. Um, if you, if, and I know this is going to be a little bit um, difficult. Um, if you feel like in your own life that you are or have been a, by your lifestyle, meaning the way that you act, the way that you do life, have been a denier of Christ. Um, I just want you to stand. If that's you, if you know, like, man, I feel like I'm a denier of Christ and I can't do anything. Is that anybody? I'm standing, so I'm going to qualify myself as that. Anybody? 
Now that's not the question. No, I mean, if that's what you feel like, if yeah. you feel like I can't do anything because I can't do anything as a believer because of my lifestyle is denying him. My, and I don't mean sexual orientation lifestyle. I mean the way that I'm living is denying anybody. All right. That took a lot of courage. Yeah. Well, here's what I, I would just want to pray over you and myself <laughs> is this. Um, I'm just going to ask it again because I think there's other people here that are in that same boat that you don't feel like you can do anything because you are stuck. You feel like, man, I, I don't know. I deny Christ by the way I live sometimes. So we're going to pray because here's what I think is this. When we look at the passage of Acts, we see in Acts 2, we see that Peter, the denier, had previously made a statement that, yes, you are the Son of God. And Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church. And so here's what I think. Because just like me, just like you, is we think oftentimes that the fact is that we have to be perfect and that sometimes stuff happens in our lives and we feel and we get stuck there. So I just want to pray over you. God, freedom in Jesus' name. God, that the thoughts of the enemy would be kicked out, and that the reality of the king would come in. God, no matter what we do, you are there, and I pray for Candy right now, God, that you would just come yep. uh, in a mighty way. And, and God, beyond just Candy here, we want to pray this over the, the church here. We want to pray it over the church of Lakeland, God, that on the statement of you are Christ, you are Savior, that you will build your church on that. And, God, we, want, we do want to pray today for, for an inflow of people. We want to pray. I want to pray for Candy, that Candy would be a source of light for the people around her. God, that the reality of the Holy Spirit in her would come to fruition, God. And, God, I pray that for this church, uh, this body, God, that there would not be enough chairs here to house the people that you're going to bring in. And just like Peter, when he spoke, there were 3,000 added that day. God, we pray for more. And, God, we don't just stop here at Lakeland Vineyard to be selfish. We pray for the church of Lakeland. Mm -hmm. God, we pray that, that in this city, that the people that thought they couldn't do anything because they denied you by something they have done will, in fact, be the ones that are bringing people in by droves. God, I pray that there would not be enough seats in this city, in every church, to house the amount of people that you're going to bring in. God, it's no doubt in my mind, and it might be just a coincidence, but God, we talk about this is the wheat harvest. And you said that the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. And God, would you raise us up? so that we 
can live out the reality. God, you are orchestrating a great thing, and we want to be involved in it. So, God, any doubt that Candy has in her mind, any lack of faith that she has, I pray that you would come and do what only you can do. Only you can do, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Now, here, here's something that I know. Some of you have been toying with stuff you shouldn't be toying with. You know who you are. Some of you have been doing some things that you shouldn't be doing. And I want you to know something. He can break those chains. He can break those chains, and he wants to break those chains. Some of us, we've shelved the things that God has spoken to us about by His Spirit. We've shelved them. And they got dust all over them. And God wants to blow that dust off this morning. I was going to have people come forward. I don't think I'm going to have them come forward. I don't think I'm going to have you come forward. Here's what I want. If, if you want prayer of any kind, receiving of the Spirit, dealing with issues in your life, I want you to stand. I want you to stand right where you are. And I want you to know that I'm standing like Andy was. I'm standing with you. Because there is so much more that I know. The Gospels challenge me to the core of my being because I know there's more. I know there's more that God wants to do. I, I, I know that. And I want to experience what Jesus did, the anointing of God. See, the anointing of God, then to follow Him and do the things that, that He wants to do. And here's what I'm going to pray. Just hold your hands out. Close your eyes. Don't look around. I'm just going to say Holy Spirit, fill your vessels. Fill your vessels. You know what they're dealing with right now. You know the things that you're pricking their heart about. Uh, you know the joy that's exploding in some of them. Uh, you know. Uh, you know the promises that you've made that haven't been fulfilled, that they haven't walked that out yet. And so I'm just going to ask you to do that. And I'm going to ask you to do it for your own glory's sake. Because what I know is you do those things for your glory that God may be seen. Some of you may be a little timid. God's told you some things. Uh, and I'm going to ask, God, remove that timidity. Take away that fear. Fear of the unknown. Uh, fear of man. Fear of what people might think. Fear of failure. Take away those fears. And let us walk. Jesus, as you walked. 
in this world that so desperately needs to see you. And I want to pray this. I want to pray, Lord, let there be encounters. I'm going to pray before next Sunday, let there be some encounters that people have. There unexpected encounters. There are going to be promptings that you're going to release in them, and they're going to respond, and they're going to see you answer. And they're going to see you do things that only you can do, that they couldn't do it, they couldn't dream it up. It's just something that you want to do, and you want to involve them in that process because you're always at work. And so I want to pray that we hear reports. I mean, we're talking live reports of what you did this week and how you released the inbreaking of your kingdom. And then I want to pray this in, in us, God. I'm talking about in the people in this room standing or sitting, would you relentlessly pursue us to be used by you in our life's situations? Relationally, at home, at the workplace where we shop, Would you relentlessly give us this desire to see you conform us to the very image of Christ and do it for your namesake? Amen.